Good evening, and welcome to the Laurel Church of Christ Wednesday Bible Study. My name is Jeff Watson, and this quarter we've been studying the book of Ecclesiastes. As we enter our study, I would ask you to keep a couple scriptures in mind. From Corinthians, we have, Now these things happen to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction, upon whom the end of the ages have come. Also from Second Peter, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. I would now ask a panelist to lead the opening prayer for the class. Would you pray with me, please? Our Father in heaven, we ask you to be with us now as we go through this period of study. Be with Jeff as he leads us and uh, help us all to learn more from your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, so we'll have our sort of standard start here, a review of our outline. Uh, we are well into the book of Ecclesiastes now. We are currently in week 12, and we'll be finishing up next week. Uh, what we've learned so far, interactivity, please raise your hand to read scriptures. I will have 12 readings today. One of them will have a lot of proper names. I will warn you ahead of time which one that is before you volunteer. But I'm sure the panelists would appreciate if you would volunteer. Otherwise, one of the panelists gets stuck doing it. Uh, we have chat when I ask questions or you can offer comments. And we also have some polls we're going to have. And please uh, respond to those. Uh, Solomon, we covered the first two weeks. Uh, we should all know about his great wisdom, which God granted him. Uh, his great wealth, and of course the fact he did not actually live that long of a life because he uh, failed to be devoted to God towards the end. In addition to Ecclesiastes, we covered the Song of Solomon, two Psalms, and also uh, Solomon's other large book that he wrote, uh, Proverbs, which is probably his most well-known work. I suggested as we were doing this study, we are reading the book written by the wisest man ever to live. So let's hear what he has to say with us and pay attention to his words. For me and perhaps you, uh, most of the time when I read his words, it stops and makes me think. Other times it makes me want to go hide in the corner. But regardless, uh, Romans reminds us why these things were written to instruct us, to help us have perseverance and encouragement, ultimately to lead to hope. A review of all we've covered so far in Ecclesiastes. 
Chapter one is a very strong chapter. He sets the tone right away, reminding us that uh, vanity, everything's vanity, and that there's nothing new. So he really sets a uh, mood for the rest of the book. And then asks the main question in verse three, and he spends the bulk of the book trying to answer that question. The first thing he did was uh, try pleasure. He had plenty of resources to try anything he could think of, and he eventually came to the conclusion it doesn't accomplish much. But he also certainly realized that wisdom far exceeds folly. Chapter three, uh, I was away and Ricky did this chapter, but that's sort of the uh, chapter where we have, there's a time for this, there's a time for that. Uh, just reminding us that uh, in our lives, a bunch of sort of, I'll say, standard things will happen. They'll happen in their time. And uh, there's not a whole lot we can do about it either way, but deal with them. Chapter four had a variety of advice, but the one I took out most from that was uh, that if you are God blessed to have a spouse, that two are better than one because they do have a good return for their labor. Chapter five has many other things in it, but the main thing is he begins to answer the question from chapter one, verse three, and he's mentioned this answer or a variation of it several times about what is good and fitting. And you can see for yourself, uh, it's considered a gift from God to be able to eat, to drink, and to enjoy your work. Chapter six is what I described as an ostrich chapter, as it was definitely sort of a, a bit of a downer, I'll say. But it did remind us that you can have everything in the world that mankind might think is important, but in and of themselves, they do not guarantee happiness. Moving into chapter seven, uh, we're reminded uh, again that God's original plan for man was that we were upright, and that is how he created us. And that is what our, our goal to return to that state should be. Uh, chapter 8 talks about um, how sometimes you see people do a bad thing and they don't get punished for it right away, so it encourages them to keep on doing bad things. But as Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. Even back, what was it, 3,000 years ago, roughly, when this was written, uh, good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. And finally, in chapter 9, um, tells us several things, but reminds us that uh, if you are righteous and wise, you are indeed in God's hands. And whatever you find to do, do it with all your might. So that briefly catches us up to where we are going to be tonight, which is chapter 10. So hopefully I will be talking less and you will be doing more of the reading and talking. So I'm going to look for my first volunteer to read a few verses out of Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Uh, 
Okay, Mr. or actually Ray Hill Fire Table, I believe we'll go with you. Dead flies turn a perfumer's oil rancid. So a little foolishness is more potent than wisdom and honor. A wise person's heart directs him toward the right, but the foolish person's heart directs him toward the left. Even when the fool walks along the road, his sense is lacking, and he demonstrates to everyone that he is a fool. If the ruler's temper rises against you, do not abandon your place, because composure puts great offenses to rest. Thank you, Ray. And sticking with that uh, verse four last sentence, I have another reading related to that. I'm looking for a volunteer. Uh, this is a little lengthy, but uh, probably not too bad. So looking for a volunteer to do another reading. Okay, we will go with, okay, Rodney. Okay, you, Rodney, we'll go with Rodney. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and dismounted from her donkey and fell on her face in front of David and bowed herself to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, on me alone, my Lord, be the blame. And please let your slave speak to you and listen to the words of your slave. And now let this gift which your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who accompany my Lord. Please forgive the offense of your slave, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord, and evil will not be found in all your days. Then David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me, and blessed be your discernment, and blessed be you who have kept me this day from bloodshed and from avenging myself by my own hand. So David accepted her hand, which she had brought him and said to her, go up to your house in peace. See, I have listened to you and granted your request. Thank you for that reading, Rodney. I, uh, I actually meant to give a little background before we started the reading that David had been out uh, sort of on the run camping with his mighty men when he was in the vicinity of Abigail's household and uh, her husband refused to give David any support and David was on his way to essentially destroy uh, the household when uh, Abigail, his wife, went out and uh, interacted on behalf and talked David uh, out of his attack. Okay, hold on one second. Uh, my wife has passed me a note. Um, okay, that's a good idea. Uh, my wife, Christine, wanted me to remind you that last week we read a story about how a poor but wise person saved a uh, city that was being besieged from being destroyed. And we just got done doing a reading where another person prevented uh, an attack and the destruction of the household. And the main point I'm supposed to bring up is that in both cases, it was a woman who prevented the tragedies from happening.
Okay, I'm looking for another reader. We're going back to Ecclesiastes. Okay, let's go. Uh, well, thank you, Arnetta. I'll pass it on and let's have Arnetta read then. Ecclesiastes 10, 5-7. There is an evil I have seen under the sun, like a mistake that proceeds from the ruler. Foolishness is set in the many exalted places, while the rich sit in humble places. I have been slaves riding on horses and princes walking like slaves on the land. I have seen slaves, I'm sorry, riding on horses and princes walking like slaves on the land. Thanks, Arnetta. And this idea is actually echoed in another writing by Solomon. So I'm looking for a volunteer to do a very short reading out of Proverbs. Okay, let's go with Huck Tam. When the righteous increase, the people rejoice. But when a wicked person rules, people groan. Luxury is not fitting for a fool, much less for a slave to rule over princes. Thanks for the reading. Okay, um, I say Pitt. What is the first thing you think of? Don't think too hard, think quickly. Go ahead, start typing over in chat. You hear the word pit, what do you think of? Keep on typing over there, I'm gonna show you a few things that came to my mind. Thanks, Ricky. Thought that I'd get somebody there. Of course, I think it kind of depends uh, maybe what you've done most recently or where you grew up or how old you are and what you might think of. Uh, I had never heard of the Super Mario character because I'm a little old for that. But I certainly did grow up playing the game Pit. I don't know how many else of you have. And I didn't know anything about pit beef until I moved to the Baltimore area. So I'm looking for a volunteer to read a little bit more out of Ecclesiastes. Okay, we'll go with Steve. One who digs a pit may fall into it, and the serpent may bite one who breaks through a wall. One who quarries stones may be hurt by them, and one who splits logs may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull and he does not sharpen its edge, then he must exert more strength. Wisdom has the advantage 
of bringing success. Thanks, Paul. Related to the uh, first part of that reading, I'm looking for another volunteer to read a couple verses. Okay, Smith family. Behold, an evil person is pregnant with injustice, and he conceives harm and gives birth to lies. He has dug a pit and hollowed it out, and has fallen into the hole which he has made. One who digs a pit will fall into it, and one who rolls a stone, it will come back on him. A lying tongue hates those it crushes, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Thanks for the reading. Uh, obviously, the author at this point was talking about the pit or the hole that most of us uh, responded. But another part of that verse that we just read is up in the title slide now. Uh, and I decided to do a little studying on an axe and its edge and its dullness. And you may have heard of people that grew up in the city, they have street smarts. And people that grew up in the country, they have country smarts or country wisdom. But I don't hear anything about people that grew up in the suburbs where I grew up. So I guess we have to do a little more studying to figure out how things really work. So as I was looking up some information about axes, I came across uh, an interesting website. It's down there. You can read it for yourself for more detail. But essentially, it talked a little about the difference between chopping firewood by splitting firewood and how uh, they're very different things. Uh, some people use the term chopping or splitting though uh, synonymously, and uh, how uh, you use different tools and techniques, and if you actually try to use the wrong tool for the wrong job, not only will it not go very well, you actually can possibly endanger yourself. So we have this picture over there, uh, the ax head, is actually a very thin blade and lighter weight and primarily that is used for chopping across the grain of the wood to uh, cut down possibly a limb or a smaller piece but when you're actually splitting the wood you want to use what's known as a maul which is the one on the right it's heavier it's got a duller uh, edge and it is used kind of go through the grains and split actually the grains apart of the wood. Uh, so regardless, uh, as long as you study and use the right tool for the job, essentially it adds to the statement, uh, by wisdom you will have uh, success. And the counterpart, I guess, not having wisdom could result in failure. I encourage you to go read the article if you want. Uh, I just cut little bits and pieces out of it. Okay, looking for another reader for a few verses out of Ecclesiastes. All right, Jerry Young, we'll go with you. If a serpent bites before being charmed, there is no benefit for the charmer. 
words from the mouth of a wise person are gracious, while the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of his talking is foolishness, and the end of it is evil insanity. Yet the fool multiplies words. No person knows what will happen, and who can tell him what will come after him? Thanks, Jerry. Um, after reading this, I uh, did a little research on Snake Charming, but didn't find much I wanted to really talk about. But uh, the words of the foolish and the wise, there is plenty to talk about there. So I have a few verses I'd like to read out of the book of Proverbs. Looking for a volunteer, somebody that's very experienced with Proverbs, perhaps, in the past year or so, or anybody. There you go, Carl, you got my hint. Let's have Carl Womble read these. Carl, if you're reading, I am not hearing you. I don't know about anybody else. Okay, we either need Carl to try again or we need a different volunteer, please. Okay, let's go with uh, let's go with Harvey, VNR Harvey. The wise of heart will receive commands, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Wise people store up knowledge, but with the mouth of the foolish, ruin is their hand. When there are many words, wrongdoing is unavoidable, but one who retains his lips is wise. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked, what is perverted. There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. In the mouth of the foolish is a rod for his back, but the lips of the wise will protect him, protect them. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge pleasant, but the mouth of fools spouts foolishness. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are the snare of his soul. One who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. Thanks, Vaughn. So there's plenty of other verses in Proverbs that echo this, but you can see a lot of them did come out of uh, chapter 10. But finding uh, this idea echoed in Proverbs is one of the easiest things you can do. Okay, we are now going to launch a poll. It has four questions. You need to answer all four and hit submit, but they all give you the same options. Essentially, I'm asking you 
what's the minimum age for uh, being high up in our government? So if the panelists could be launching the poll, thank you. So don't forget to scroll down and answer all the questions and then submit your answers. Because there are four questions, we'll give you a little bit more time than normal. Okay, we're gonna let this go for about another, another 15 seconds. So if you'd like to reply, you now have about 10 seconds. You now have about five seconds. And uh, we're done, let's see the results. Okay, so how did we do? Uh, most of you got the president uh, age correct. It is indeed 35. As a bonus, if you want to respond over in chat, tell me who the youngest president was. For U.S. Senator, uh, we had a little bit flatter distribution, but the most uh, answer most prevalent was 30, and that is indeed correct. House of Reps. Yep, they decreased by five years, so you get down to age 25. And finally, for Supreme Court Justice, I threw a little red herring in there, saying zero, that's for Sean, but anybody could pick that answer, because that is the answer for Supreme Court Justice. There is no age requirement. Obviously, there's, a, you know, being a lawyer or in the law and things like that, but there's technically not an age requirement for being a Supreme Court justice. And uh, the answer, yeah, who went to Google? Okay, I didn't say you couldn't, but you did. It actually is uh, Kennedy. So let's close that poll out and carry on. Looking for a volunteer to read? Yes, I think it's around 42, maybe 43, but I think 42. Looking for a volunteer to read. Well, I have a few more readings to go. So if you want to read, you're running out of time. Let's go with uh, Pfeiffer. The labor of a fool makes him so weary that he does not even know how to go to a city. Woe to you, land whose king is a boy and whose prince feasts in the morning. Blessed are you, land whose king is of nobility and whose princes eat at the appropriate time for strength and not for drunkenness. 
Thank you very much. Okay, we are now at the reading that has all sorts of proper names from the Old Testament. So if somebody would like to volunteer to read this, that'd be awesome. Otherwise, a panelist is going to be stuck with it. Okay, let's go with uh, let's go with uh, Deborah Crone. Zechariah, son of Jeroboam, became king over Israel in Samaria for six months. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, just as his fathers had done. Then Shalom, the son of Jabesh, conspired against him and struck him in the presence of the Lord and killed him and reigned in his place. For one month in Samaria, then Menahem, the son of Gadi, went up from Tirzah and came to Samaria and struck Shalom, son of Jabesh, in Samaria and killed him and became king in his place. He reigned for 10 years in Samaria and did evil in the sight of the Lord. Micaiah, son of Menahem, became king over Israel and Samaria and reigned for two years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. Then Pekah, son of Ramaliah, his officer, conspired against him and struck him in Samaria. And he reigned for 20 years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. And Hoshea, son of Eliah, formed a conspiracy against Pekah, son of Remaliah, and put him to death. Hello. Thank you. okay, sir? Uh, thanks for doing that reading. Uh, this is the sort of reading that I'd uh, do my ostrich mode to run for the hills. But uh, anybody that studied the, the kings uh, at that time, what we just read is a very common thread. They killed one another, they conspired against one another, and did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so hopefully uh, we will never have that happen to us in our lifetimes. And part of the reason why we have age requirements, I believe, for the leadership uh, in our country here. Okay, word of warnings. The last few verses of Ecclesiastes. Looking for a volunteer to read. Somebody hasn't read yet, or I'll go to a repeat. So if I pick Deborah Crone again, will I get Debbie? We'll go with Deborah Crone. Through extreme laziness, the rafters sag and through idleness the house leaks. People prepare a meal for enjoyment. Wine makes life joyful and money is the answer to everything. Furthermore, in your bedroom do not curse a king and in your sleeping rooms do not curse a rich person for a bird in the sky will bring the sound and the winged one will make your word known. Thanks, Debbie. Uh, to echo uh, what that first verse, verse 18 says, Again, Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, he also wrote Proverbs. Looking for a volunteer for our last reading of the night. Okay, Carrie Clark, we'll go with you. I passed by the field of a lazy one and by the vineyard of a person lacking sense. And behold, 
it was completely overgrown with weeds. Its surface was covered with weeds and its stone wall was broken down. When I saw, I reflected on it, upon it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then your poverty will come like a drifter and your need like an armed man. Thanks, Kerry. So we get the short sentence in the book of Ecclesiastes, and of course we can always go to Proverbs for more details and examples of many things that Solomon did write in Ecclesiastes. So we're going to end tonight's class with a poll. It's uh, 19, so the second of the three verses we just read. And the poll is, waiting for it to come up on your screen. Okay, we just read, uh, people prepare me for enjoyment. Why makes life joyful? Money has answered everything. How do you interpret this statement? Uh, so please launch the poll. And if you pick option five, try to give us uh, what you think it means over in chat. We're going to give you about 10 more seconds if you'd like to reply. And again, remember, if you'd selected other, try to give us an idea of what you meant by giving your answer over in chat. Give you about five more seconds. Okay, let's see the results. Okay, you can see for yourself, uh, we had two very hot candidates and uh, they were close together. And obviously I'm gonna tell you the correct answer is, I'm not gonna tell you what the correct answer is. You decide for yourself what that means. But you can see you're all over the place a little bit or there are options. Okay, uh, with that said, we are done with tonight's lesson. Next week will be our last week uh, of this study. We'll be doing chapters 11 and 12. So I would now like to ask a panelist to do a closing prayer, please. Or if we can't get a panelist, how about an attendee that would like to do the closing prayer? We'll take either.
Okay, Ian, please go ahead. Everyone bow with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for providing this great lesson, Lord. Thank you for us being able to gain knowledge through through your word and help us to really take it in and really know what it means for us individually and not just what we, th what we think it could mean, but what it really means uh, to us as individuals. Help us to stay together as a church, really, really enjoy this time we get to spend together knowing your word and learning it. We say this in your son's name. Amen. Good evening. Our first song this evening, song number 543, Wonderful Words of Life. Let us sing. Sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see, wonderful words of life. Words of life and beauty. Teach me faith and duty, beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life, beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Christ the Blessed One gives to all wonderful words of life, sinless to the loving call, wonderful words of life. Also freely given, wooing us to heaven. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Sweetly echo the gospel call, wonderful words of life. Offer pardon and peace to all. Wonderful words of life. Jesus, only Savior, sanctify forever. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Good evening, everyone. It's so good to be with you this evening. We have just a, a few moments here together. And I'd like to look at a scripture from John the eighth chapter, verses one through 11. We're pretty familiar with that uh, text there. So let me read it to you. John chapter eight, verses one through 11. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives at dawn. He appeared again in the temple courts. 
where all the people gathered around him, he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have the basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she says. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. As we look through that, there, there's a few things that come to mind. But in the times that we're living, you know, we have so many occasions to draw opinions. And sometimes our opinions aren't, aren't based on much. But um, as a Christian, it's really important for us to to look at things and use the empathy that we've been blessed with. You know, and empathy, while it's very similar to sympathy, empathy really takes the occasion for a person to try to put themselves in the position of another when they actually haven't uh, either experienced it or, or had any real reference to it. Showing one empathy is, is something that we need to practice more of. Uh, one of the ways is, as we try to improve our ability to empathize with people is, is really just, just try to listen to what they're saying. How many times do we find ourselves in conversations either with people or, or even violating it ourselves that we're just listening to respond. We really aren't listening to, to add or contribute to the conversation, but we're just trying to listen to, to make a comeback, to have some form of retort. If we're going to respect others, if we're going to get along with others, if we're going to show any empathy, we've got to learn to listen and listen with a purpose. There are so many different opinions today that uh, our heads are about to burst most of the time. But what we have to do is make sure that as Christians, we don't find ourselves being judgmental and judging too quickly. There are many uh, reasons that we should ask why and many things as we look to what's going on, but we haven't given ourselves a chance to share in the experience of this other person. I'm not gonna say be, because you tried to do that, you will agree with them, no. But at least we need to listen with the purpose 
and we try to consider the position in which they're coming from. In order for us to have a mature Christian spirit and develop Christian relationships, we're gonna to have to show some empathy. In order for us to allow people to get along with us, we're going to have to show ourselves willing to get along with them. We're going to have to be willing to look and to listen to a different viewpoint. Jesus was one who always, and in this particular passage, he was empathizing with this woman. While there were those that technically and to the letter of the law wanted to condemn her, Jesus wanted to look further, look at it from her position to see if there was an opportunity for another chance, to see if there was an opportunity for forgiveness. He wanted to empathize with this woman in this situation. It is true, they didn't bring the man there. That's very interesting, but they brought the woman. Let's find ourselves trying to share with one another and empathizing with one another more rather than criticizing and condemning. Thank you very much. Uh, in two weeks, I will be bringing the Wednesday evening lesson. I'm hoping that I'll have it half as good as Jeff has done for the last uh, couple months in Ecclesiastes. Thank you, have a wonderful week and be blessed. Amen. Sing to me of heaven. Sing to me of heaven, sing that song of peace. From the toils that by me it will bring release. Burdens will be lifted that oppressing soul. Shadows of great blessing, oh, my heart will flow. Sing to me of heaven, let me fondly dream of its golden glory, of its pearly gleam. Sing to me when shadows of the evening fall. Sing to me of heaven, sweetest song of all. Sing to me of heaven as I walk alone, dreaming of the comrades that so long have gone. In a fairer region among the angel throng, they are happy as they sing that old sweet song. Sing to me of heaven, let me fondly dream of its golden glory, of its pearly gleam. Sing to me when shadows of the evening fall. Sing to me of heaven's sweetest song of all. 
Sing to me of heaven tenderly and low, till the shadows o'er me rise and swiftly go. When my heart is weary, when the day is long, sing to me of heaven, sing that old sweet song. Sing to me of heaven, let me fondly dream of his golden glory, of his pearly gleam. Sing to me when shadows of the evening fall. Sing to me of heaven, sweetest song of all. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to be called your children. Father, thank you so much for this evening that we can be together to look into your word and to glean from it and apply it to our lives. Father, I just pray that we'll think about the things that you have given us to know. Father, you've shown us how we should live. And Father, I just pray that we can apply it to our lives so others can see Jesus living and working through us in everything that we do each and every day. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for blessing us. Father, for your grace and mercy that you pour out on us abundantly each and every day. And Father, we know that there are many in our congregation that are struggling with their health right now. Father, just pray that you would be with them, strengthen them, Father, help them through this difficult time in their lives. Father, we know also many have lost loved ones, Father. We pray that you continue to comfort them and help us to find ways to comfort them as well and strengthen them as they mourn the loss of their loved ones. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Father, just pray that our lives truly will reflect us each day, trying to become more and more like Jesus in our living. Father, we pray that you go with us now. We pray that you continue to be with us forever. In Jesus' name, amen.